Barbarian characters should always be named after the noise their weapon makes. Huh. Cling, clang. So Thunk. a barbarian. So a barbarian in the uh, Aerosmith video game Revolution X, in which music <laughs> is the weapon. The, my, this is my barbarian. The chorus from Love in an Elevator. <laughs> uh, they could be named Squiddly Dilly 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 Dilly. Okay. <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 111-ish of Video Games Hot Dog. I don't know how many uh, tacos I'm going to publish in between now and the time when you hear this. Could be one, could be zero, could be two. I guess under certain very weird circumstances, it could be half a dozen. Oh, yeah. How you been, guys? I've been all right. It's been so long since we recorded an hour and a half of podcast. (laughs) Kevin and I are in San Francisco, where the internet is ass. Yeah, if if the internet emanates from here, and it emanates from an asshole, then, because it is mostly full of shit, then this makes a lot of sense. That we live in an asshole? Well, that the internet is ass. Okay. Right. Um, so, yeah, we had a hell but, of a time. So there's smaller asses coming out of that asshole, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's just, it's asses all the way down. Yeah, it's fractal. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. I was trying, uh, we need some Benoit balls for that asshole, by which I mean Benoit Mandelbro. Mandelbro. Yeah. Mandelbrot? Mandelbrot? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I've always heard it Mandelbrot. I assume But I like, I like, I like Man- the idea of a frat boy whose name is Mandelbro. Benoit Mandelbro. Yeah. Ma- Mandelbrot would be that. That German bread made by Howie Mandel. <laughs> right. It's bread that you uh, you just fill a, a, a rubber glove with dough and then bake it. <laughs> ah. Howie Mandel was really funny for a long time, I feel like, and now he's like a judge on some reality TV show. Yeah, he, like a crazy all his funny was in his hair. I, uh... <laughs> I don't like Samson. remember ever seeing anything as a kid with Howie Mandel in it. I remember my cousin talking about how great he was on, was it St. Elsewhere? That Howie Mandel, he was on some hospital show. Oh, maybe. Where he I was the comic relief. stand-up. Oh. So I didn't, I didn't know of him as an actor. But yeah, he probably was on some sort See, of... See, I'm, I'm kind of a connoisseur of stand-up, so I really only listen to, like, uh, late 60s Bob Newhart. Okay. <laughs> uh, comedy records okay. nowadays. Okay, Bill Cosby. Yeah. That, uh, although that actually is a thing that I did recently, was I listened to a, I listened to a Bob Newhart record from the '60s, and it wasn't really a record. No, it wasn't. It was it was iTunes. Uh, it was like a weird, listening to the jokes, listening to the bits that he did. So a the the album was just like five, you know, eight to twelve minute tracks. segments, like tracks of a show that weren't in any particular order. It wasn't like. It wasn't like I feel like a modern comedy CD is at least ostensibly a recording of a single show. Like they will, they yeah. will either decide this show is the one we're recording for the CD, or they will record five shows and whichever one goes the best, they will make a CD out of. But this one, they apparently recorded thirty shows and then stitched together a word at a time the best deliveries of all of the jokes. Whoa, really? So here's the question. 
because it is so clearly to you spliced together, is it possible that it is just somebody who has gone back to all recorded Newhart audio and just invented fabricated their own... a new set? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be so good. <laughs> just did a Markov just chain a... of. <laughs> infinite amount of Bob new Bob Hope. Newhart material. It, Bob Hope. <laughs> I feel as though this is all I've been talking about for the last three or four days. I feel like I've spent way too much time thinking about this Bob Newhart album that I listened to. But he, it's some relatively high concept stuff. I, I guess to me it is always surprising to find something from the 60s and realize, oh wait, people in the 60s were smart and funny and they had a pretty good idea people. of what was going on. Yeah, like the fact that I wasn't <laughs> born yet, the fact that I didn't exist d- did not, you know, f- fail to predicate anything else interesting existing. But it is weird to find something that is old and also has and good modern, <laughs> but has modern sensibilities, right? It's not weird to find like Citizen Kane is pretty good, Psycho is pretty good, sure, but they are not, they are not really modern, you know. They're True. not like, like you don't find surprising. When did you get the Easter Island heads on your computer? I I uh, bought them from uh, the, the Amazon. Yeah, they're cool. I think maybe I saw a post on Dinosaur Dracula about a thing that he bought that was part of some series and I looked up the series and two items in the series struck my fancy and they were desktop Easter Island heads and a build your own Stonehenge huh. uh, which just is like a box that comes huh. with little rocks in it that's cool um, I could imagine getting a bunch of these little Easter Island heads if they would just make like 20 different it was a set of four um, and I took two and I gave Emily two and uh she didn't she bring her desktop computer with her. Oh, yeah, they're delicious cookie Easter <laughs> Island heads. Anyway. Th- Sorry. That no, was a, the, that was the, a diversion. So he did, one of the bits was, he just started talking about how, like, in every, you know, we've, we've America's had a lot, of, uh, a lot of armies and a lot of wars, and, and the one thing that is constant between them is that there are always people pissing and moaning about things. He said griping, because he's, he's a classy gentleman. He doesn't swear. Because he's from <laughs> the 60s. And so he's like, I would like, to, I, would like to, uh, I would like to give you my impression of a griper from the U.S. military during the Revolutionary War. And then just proceeds to describe from the perspective of a complaining enlisted man every painting that we're aware of that depicts a scene from the Revolutionary War, but as though it was actually happening. Like, it, and it's, it's like, it's weirdly sort of like, it's like dad humor, kind of. It, I mean, it's, it's it requires very, it's a, that you have a cultural knowledge for it yeah. to be that revelation moment where you're like, oh, he's talking about this painting that I totally know. You know it's, it's a strange, it's a the strange subject. Yeah, it's like, you know, the, the painting of, of Washington in the front of the boat you know, where then he makes a joke about it. And then that other boat next to us with the guy with the easel. That's the end. Yeah. Like, that yeah. is the end where he acknowledges that he's talking about a painting as opposed to, like, a thing that just happened. But also the idea that somebody right. poses that, yeah, for that you pose for a, a battle in a scene. Boat. Yeah. But, but um, and, and one, there, was a, there was one where it was just bus driver school. Where he was giving his impression of the instructor at bus driver school where... He doesn't like play multiple characters, but it's very much a. a ska- and I mean, I guess maybe mm-hmm. if I went to see more one-man shows, right? That's a thing. That is a category of creative work. Is the one-man show, where he 
just sort of creates this whole scene with various characters in it while only being one person yeah, speaking. George, like he doesn't... George Carlin had a similar bit like back in the 60s before he got angry uh, doing a drill instructor for a, like an Indian tribe before they went to, to attack the, the settlers or whatever. That was the same sort of, uh, you know, like a displaced character in this, in this new context sort of sketch. I feel like I had noticed in my sort of very casual sort of consumption of comedy that most sort of character driven comedy in the modern era was coming from women. Like Maria Bamford comes to mind as somebody who does a lot of voices. Does Yeah. It does a lot of like voices and different, just sort of like she'll evoke a scene. I feel like, um, uh, there are other there are other female comics that that have done this, and I'm just blanking. I mean, there's Lisa Lampanelli who always plays the character of various racists. Sure, uh, Whoopi Goldberg. But I, I think like she invokes the I can't be racist stuff. because I've been plowed by a lot of black dudes. It's the Lemmy the Lemmy kill Mister defense. Um, but I haven't seen that as much from male comics in the modern era, but maybe I'm just not paying attention. So, I don't know. So, I mean, Robin Williams certainly... Well, but in the modern did, era. Yeah, sure. Right, like, that's, right. like, 20 years ago. And that's, like, Howie Mandel. Oh, man, like, do you the, realize that we are currently probably, like, 10 miles from Robin Williams? I, I had not thought of that. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Um, but so, Howie Mandel... Like, <laughs> My goal has always him, been to punch Robin Williams in the nuts, and I am closer <laughs> to that goal than I've ever been. I think of him... Uh, you can introduce like him to Crapo Bapo. I could! I could oh, be like, Jesus. hey, look at me. I'm uh, going to jail. Yeah, I'm buying <laughs> cocaine with my left hand. <laughs> and look at me. I'm reaching over and stealing a joke. Oh. Mm. Yeah, see, because Robin Williams does a lot of cocaine and steals a lot of jokes. I'm sorry. I was, I'm stepping on your point. No, it's In the right. same way that Robin Williams' coke dealer stepped off his coke <laughs> by mixing it with baby powder. Like, Bill Cosby, I don't remember him doing characters so much. Although he did do voices. Yeah, he did, like, Fat Albert. and Although, yeah, that was Fat Albert. I guess Fat Albert was more sort of a an extra voice he did in that scene. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like voicing, char- voicing characters in whole other projects is a little different than, like... Is... As- is observational comedy sort of a well? No, he he had a, he had a stand-up comedy. bit that was really the introduction of Fat Albert. The historical progression of comedic forms. I you know I don't really know either. I think you could probably argue that, like, uh, and, I don't know, like Samuel Clemens was probably an observational comic in some ways, right? Like, yeah, I mean, but hmm. It's it's hard for me. I never thought until I started like sort of learning more about the way stand-up comedians work. Like that is entirely a I always thought of it as being just improvised. Right? Like you would have some idea of what you were going to talk about, but you're mostly just making stuff up and that's why I always thought I would never be able to do that. But then it turns out it's just like no, you just it's like writing a speech and then you refine the speech while you tour Germany as the quarrymen. <laughs> 
uh, just giving the speech over and over and over again and seeing what people think are the funniest. Have you seen Sleepwalk With Me? Mm, that's the Mike Birbiglia yeah. documentary? It is no. phenomenal in the way that it shows how a comedian takes sort of like takes an act from not really existing to fully fleshed out and like figures out like the beats of things and like it's just great it is like it is a great movie about sort of the comic process is it on netflix streaming i don't know if it's on streaming it was definitely uh available on disc one thing i've realized about this this apartment in san francisco where we moved uh for listeners who who don't know (laughs) haven't been paying attention um is there's no television in the bedroom there's really no television anywhere. All we have is was, all we have is a computer monitor. You didn't set that up, but you you know what you could do is the way that you've set up your room. You could mount a TV on the wall above your bed and then just watch it in reverse in the mm-hmm. mirror on the opposite side of the room. You could That's just use an iPad crazy. for TV. That's pretty much what I've been doing. Is I understand that you're right. I understand that you're right that I could mount a TV above my head and watch it in a mirror. But I think I would want to. I would want to. It, I would I would want every movie that I watch to be the last scene of Pi, so that I could put a power drill in my brain <laughs> to stop. I would I would keep recommending angst I was films, experiencing because it would be really funny for you to have to read all the subtitles, <laughs> to read all the subtitles backwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could also wear some of those glasses that make that swap everything left to right. Okay. Yeah, those are a thing. I I knew there were glasses that swapped up and down. And then you just get used to it and you start seeing everything as upside yeah, down. Yeah, and then you take, take them, them off, off and you yeah. have the same, the exact same nausea that you do when you first put, when them, you first on. put them on. Yeah. yeah. Which is cool, I guess. It's really weird what people can get used to. And it kind of makes me feel like, well, you know, maybe like debilitating diseases won't be so bad because you'll <laughs> just eventually get used to them. But probably not. Yeah, I mean, I feel like... Probably pain. life is just fucking suffering and everything <laughs> is horrible. You know, you're probably right, but I enjoy my life so much that it makes me sad to think that that's probably true. <laughs> yeah. I wish I was as naive as you. Yeah. I wish I hadn't had the scales removed from my eyes. That old gypsy woman. So are those, like, dragon scales or those, like, uh, weighing things scales? I think they're... You have to remove the I scale from like your eyes scales. before you like, remove the snake I think from... There is a, like this notion that like oh i had a disease that mm, rendered me unable to see mm-hmm. like just physically okay right as opposed to physiologically that's not a real distinction that i've just drawn right but i have no idea i'm talking out of my ass about the provenance of an idiomatic phrase that yeah. i have no idea what it means cuz like th- like i could imagine some sort of like etymology where it's like you know i'm seeing dollar signs I'm seeing scales because that's how I can tell whether something's actually gold or not, right? And so having the scales removed from my eyes could be in reference to that. Or maybe you think of everything right. in terms of one of those puzzles where you have 94 balls, one of which weighs one ounce less than right. the other 93. <laughs> how can you figure out which one in only zero weighings? In only zero <laughs> how can you How can you find out which one is lighter in only Keenan Ivory weighings? Also... <laughs> That one is painted blue. Oh, right. You have 40 ivory <laughs> balls. One of them is a Keenan ivory ball. In only one Keenan ivory weighing, how can you determine which one is that? <laughs> okay. Um, have you guys been playing any video games? 
Riff, you need you need to save us because um, we've had zero internets. Have you? Oh yeah, that's true. Well, um, apart from the usual suspects of Minecraft and uh, Animal Crossing, I have I did play a little bit of uh, uh, Leighton Brothers Mystery Room on iPad. Uh, it's made Mystery by the same Mystery Room. Yeah, the Leighton Brothers Mystery Room. It's made by Level Five, the guys that did the Professor Leighton games. Uh, it's not. Okay. It, it's it's not the same thing though. It's not like puzzle collection um the concept is that i guess this is this is sometime in the future and professor layton has had a son or i guess two sons but i haven't i have have uh, only met one of them so far in the course of this game but he is a police detective really who did what who did professor layton hook up with like, yeah I, I i do not know that hasn't been revealed uh, yet that's a that's an maybe awesome he mystery. maybe he finally uh figured out the puzzle of how to unlock the vagina in his ward. But it plays basically the same as uh, the Phoenix Wright games. Uh, the, the, uh, the one Leighton brother is a police detective and you get uh, like crime scenes, murder crime scenes, and you investigate them to gather evidence and then interrogate a suspect and use the evidence that you found to poke holes in their story until they eventually confess. So it's like L.A. So it's like L.A. Noir? Yeah, wait, wait, yeah. Is the other brother basically. a lawyer and it's actually some sort of like really long law and order episode? <laughs> uh, I guess possibly it might turn into that. Uh, basically, there there's two. I've played through the first two cases, which are which are free in the app. And uh, so far, it, it's only gone as far as identifying, all right, this is the murderer, hand him over to the police, and the, the, the judge and the, and the uh, lawyers will take care of it from here. But I have not actually seen any courtroom stuff happening. So maybe, yeah, maybe the second half of the game is the other brother. You have to beat a confession out of the suspect. <laughs> well, your um, your your accusations take the physical form of little arrows with words in them, which fly across the screen and smash into the suspect's heart, uh, eventually destroying the stone mask that they are protecting their heart with. <laughs> wow. Huh. You're enjoying it, though. So, if you're the kind of person that likes the Phoenix, yeah, it seems pretty good. Relating games. Which is to say, yeah. a person wholly unlike me. <laughs> Definitely more so the the Phoenix Wright games. It 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 has very little to do with the Professor Layton games, other than the characters and general art style and so on. Uh, but yeah, it seems well written. It's it's nicely polished, and uh, you know you get the first first couple cases for free, so there's no uh, no reason not to check it out if you're into a Phoenix Wright you- style mystery game. Were you aware that there are Twitter accounts for each of the Professor Layton characters that tweet things in character? Wow, no. <laughs> there's a Professor Layton, there's a, Do they say yeah, things like, that reminds me of a puzzle? <laughs> I, I mean, they, I think they are, it is possible that they are like promotional accounts that tweet about you know upcoming game releases and stuff like that but there are a lot of them and it's it just seemed weird they all follow each other huh. and respond to each other as if they're having conversations yeah and one stuff. of them one of them recently directed his minions to our new game word realms yeah the villain the villain from the the time travel one i forget the 
the name of the cl the clock, the spectral clock or something. Which what it was the that Phantom Hour? Phantom Hourglass. Yes. That's a legend. <laughs> I know. Okay. Um, the the Professor Layton in the Ocarina of Time. Uh, I guess it's maybe it's the same villain in every game now that I think about it. But he he was he seemed different uh, for the the first part of that game. Anyway, uh, he yeah he he directed people to play word realms, which I thought. Oh, was that's cool. awesome! So, like, I think there are, I think there are actually people there are actually humans behind the accounts that are doing things, but they're playing. They're like interacting with the world as if they are those characters. Oh, that's neat. Maybe there's yeah. an arg. Yeah, that could be that they just didn't tell anyone about. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's well, pretty much. That's pretty much what all all I've been playing. I played a little bit of the Magic 2014, but I think you you were going to talk about that? that. So it it seems okay. Um, I, I thought for a while that I was having I was having trouble with the uh, like the way instants work and and having to deal with timing and stuff. Uh, but it turned out I had just forgotten the rule that once a once an attacker is blocked, it stays blocked even if you kill the the dude blocking it. So I had to I had to remember that. Uh, but yeah, it's it seems it seems well polished. The uh, the timing issues seem a little bit easier than in 2013. Um, I don't know. It looks nice. I haven't messed around with the deck building stuff much. Uh, that's probably that's probably where the if I have problems with it, that's where it's going to be because you need a really good interface for that to work well. If it, if it's inconvenient to look around at all your cards kind of simultaneously i feel like it would be awkward to try and build a deck have you not looked at it at all i've i've looked at it briefly i i uh i did not dive into it deep enough to actually build a deck i just kind of i so i not a i virtually interface. unwrapped a lot of booster packs and and now i have a pile of cards <laughs> It's not a great interface. It feels it feels like a console port of, oh, yeah. of hmm. the because basically you've got your deck on the bottom and your stock of cards on the top. And because the campaign is so short and you get so few booster packs, you can never have more than like 105 cards or something on on the top. You there are buttons to filter colors and non-colored cards. And then you just can see like five or six cards. You choose how they're sorted. Which they start out sorted by rarity and then and then name. Huh. So like you, you can sort of like creature or enchantment. I or? you probably can. I don't know. I haven't the the interface element for the sort options is weird, and I do not understand how it works. Okay. Um, but I haven't. You don't really need it because you there are only ever a hundred cards for you to look at. Hmm. Right. And it's and it's got this. It's got this like sort of qualitative indicator of your deck strength that seems to be based on a very small number of very straightforward criteria that will will lead it to describe a deck as awesome if the deck is total bullshit. <laughs> uh, because How it's like, so? well, so you need a 40-card deck and you get some number of points towards awesome by meeting the following criteria. Like, between 16 and 18 creatures, between 16 and 18 lands. Wow. That's a shitty deck. Yeah. Um, less than two colors, or less than three colors. Less than two colors. Yeah, less than two colors. <laughs> Only one color. Um, 
yeah, it's huh. it. I haven't tried playing like monocolor decks. A lot of the ones that they start you with, like the the pre-built decks, are just a single color um, that they send you through the campaign with. I'm really enjoying it. It feels, in a way, like you mentioned the timing. I felt in previous incarnations of this, it felt to me like. I was waiting and waiting and waiting for shit when I didn't have anything to do. And then when I did want to do something, I had no time to actually react. And so there was just constantly shit happening like, ah, fuck, I just died because I didn't block. Yeah, didn't you, you really have to, to be aware of, of what you're planning to do and be ready to hit that stop timer button. I kind of wish it... I kind of wish it... Like, it has an option to stop, to pause at the beginning of every one of your phases, I kind of wish it had that option every time anybody does anything. So that just, you know, the, know your like opponent plays time, this card kind of. and you it just pauses while you decide if you want to do anything to respond to that instead of you having to well, so it is, it's a stop weird, the timer. When you think about playing magic, it seems fairly simple, right? It seems like just a sequence of actions that people are taking. Yeah. But something that you can do when you're playing magic is in the real world. No, but I'm just saying, like, when you're playing magic with a guy, he is like, all right, now I'm attacking with. And then you say, before you attack, right. I am going to cast this instant. And then they say, before you cast that instant, I'm going to cast this other instant. So they've gone away. They've, they've done away with interrupts. I think Entirely. maybe they've done away with the concept of the stack, which the stack was later than I play. Like, I didn't really seriously play Magic after 1994. Right. So Yeah, I think, like, like an Antiquities or The Dark was the last one I played. It's like seriously. years ago. Yeah. No, it's a fucking old-ass game, and it's fucking great. It's That's like nuts that it has had that much staying power. You know, and I really wanted to like when I was when I was like a, you know a senior in high school, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is like the next big thing. Like I feel so vindicated. It's like when my dad <laughs> made fun of me for liking the Beastie Boys when I was ten. I was like, no way, man, they're good. They're gonna turn out to be real important. My mom getting real pissed at me for spending a bunch of money on magic cards, <laughs> and like I made I made money on that deal, you know, and I could have yeah. if I had. If I had really thought about it, I could have made a To be more. fair, it was she was almost certainly right. Sure. She just happened sure. not to be, right? <laughs> but th there, is a, there is a lot of stuff that you can do playing against a person where you say, before you do that, I'm going to do this. And that is a critical part of play, well, but right? I mean, this is a single-player game, right? you can't do that like, in the computer version. Well, you can't. sure you can. It's a single-player game. You should be able to say, wait, 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 stop. Go back before you do this. I'm going to do this other thing. I think that that would be a really dissatisfying way to play. But that's how that's how it happens in the real world. But not, and it's not dissatisfying. Not really, right? Because they don't instantly declare attackers and attack you, right? Like it takes a minute. You you have to respond to it. There is a tremendous amount of there is a tremendous amount of unspoken back and forth that happens while you're playing magic with somebody. Yeah. That. You're given opportunities to interrupt. You're given opportunities to say whether you want to do something or not. So the computer has to do that. When, when you are computerizing this game, you have to formalize giving somebody an opportunity to do something at any point where they could do something. And there's a lot of points like that. Like, every time you go to cast a spell, you have to give them enough time to cast a counterspell if they want right. to. Right? Like, it, you know, and it's... they. 
they have struggled, I think, with how to present that in order to make a make a decent computer <clears throat> game, right? So you think it would be yeah. dissatisfying for them to <clears throat> to have like something. save states where you just it's well, I'm not. No, even... hold on, hold acty, acty. Rewind the play about five minutes. So it's not quite like that. It it would be like. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna cast a, an instant. You don't necessarily reveal what it is or whatever, but you give the player a second or two to be like, wait, wait, wait. You know. Well, I, I mean, I think you do have to reveal what it is. Like that's the that's not how magic works. Well, you it would be like a player telegraphing what they are going to do, like you know, pulling out of their hand a card, and the other player's like, wait, before you do anything, I'm going to blah, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Like there are. There are physical, not, they're not tropes because they're just actions in the world, but you could make tropes in the game. I mean, I, this is me having never played the game, so sure. I really don't know. These are, and those, those opportunities are all represented by like a timer going across that you can interrupt in order to do something. And in this one, it just feels like they've streamlined it a lot more. I it see. feels like there are, fewer, there are fewer times where you're just waiting for a for nine percentage bars to go across that you don't really <laughs> understand what they are. Okay. Right? Where it's like, all right, this is before his main phase. This is after his main phase, but before his attack. This is before his attack. This is after his attack. Wow. This is after yeah, his attack, but before his next main phase. Super complicated. Right, because there, it's not complicated to play. Like, it is not complicated yeah, to play yeah. magic or to teach somebody how to play it's magic. Complicated to it is complicated to formalize computer, right? it. Yeah. yeah. And, that's, and that's, like, I just, it's, it's such a weird thing that I don't envy them having to have. You know, that, the, the Microprose Magic game that they released in, like, 1995 or 1996 was really cool. And it really makes me want this game, Magic 2014, except the way that you earn new cards is by defeating really low-level opponents with really shitty decks or really bad AI. Like Magic the RPG. Yeah, exactly. That's, that is what yeah. the Microprose game was. That's it apparently was, what, that? what Hex is going to be, which uh, I'm completely pumped for. So Hex is a computer game only? Or as are they long as yes, as long it's as only, only digital. And, and the they're, is, they're taking huge advantage of that, too. Magic is so well-designed, right? And I don't know how much of what makes magic good is like is like patented so that you can't do it in another trading card game, right? And it's what I want is for magic, the established property, the phenomenal the game that you know the and love. phenomenal rule set that has clearly stood the test of time, you know, and has and has your friend and mine Mark Rosewater at the at the design helm man who I trust with my life even though I've never met him <laughs> it's entirely not true but the man whose whose commute you know yeah very exactly. well um I I would just really like for there to be the thing is they they can't, they don't want to do much and it's getting better they don't want to do much with digital magic because it interferes with magic online well, right. and also because right. it, like it interferes with the physical cards. I feel like the physical cards are where they make a lot of make well, most Online of their money. Doesn't interfere with the physical cards per se, right? There's that weird capability of cashing out to a physical. Pick. Yeah. Well, what I mean is they don't want to. They don't want to. They don't want to do a game that has a lot of features that only make sense in digital because they then can't make physical copies of those cards. 
Is are these cards like one for one representations of yeah. physical cards that Magic twenty fourteen is just it just uses the new base set of cards. Like every, I think every year when they release a new base set, they make one of these is, video game versions of it that use that set. Is there any sense in having Magic twenty fourteen coming out in the middle of Magic of of the year twenty thirteen? I might be like a car. Yeah. Thing why the where, fuck does that? Why does that make any goddamn sense? Well, there's sense? a lengthy production chain. I mean, I don't know that these physical cards exist yet, right? I mean, they might be coming out in September, and that makes sense. But that, like, why can't we just do everything so that on the first of the year we get a million new things to do, and they're all 2014 <laughs> models? And, and then you just like have to, to spread them all the out year, throughout you know, the year. Like, it's yeah. Why don't we divide? the entire world up into date zones as well as time zones oh. so that everything is due on the first of the year, but that deadline is different for everyone. Okay. So we have, so like there are 24 time zones. Mm-hmm. There would be 365 date zones. Yes. And if you keep driving West, you will never die. <laughs> <laughs> so there'd be the international younger. year line. Yeah. Eventually, you know, in fact, so here's, here's, here's a tricky one. You are in a hot air balloon traveling west while fucking an 18-year-old and four-day-old girl. An 18-year-old girl and a four-day-old girl. You are immediately arrested. <laughs> yes, for, having, for, for not having a hot air balloon license. <laughs> for not having the four-year-old girl in a seatbelt. Okay. All right, let's pretend that I told that joke correctly and move on. Uh, I, I started playing uh, your uh, your Animal Crossing game, Riff. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I um, I uh, I got uh, I got Emily the belated birthday present of a of a 3DS and Animal Crossing because I knew that she would get super super into it, and I would be able to see some of the stuff that happened to a dedicated player of the game without being a dedicated player. So of the you're game. just ah. using her for her uh, video game knowledge. You're right. I am. I am. I am using her. In the sense of lavishing expensive gifts on someone, <laughs> so that you can, so that you can delight in their enjoyment of those Vicariously gifts. Vicariously, you're right. I, how dare I? Well, um, I'll have to get. I'll have to get her friend code. I'll bring you guys some some oranges and pears. Hmm. All I have is peaches, and then uh, she has cherries. Yeah. Oh, um, that's good. She really cherries. liked my peaches and wanted to shake my tree. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and luckily forward. I got her cherry, uh, <laughs> but I have been playing about probably a half an hour a day. Yeah, and there is fucking nothing to do in this game. <laughs> I don't understand it. And yet, and yet, Emily has probably so, been spending okay twelve so, hours a day. So when this game. she goes to play her game, she gets to go to the fucking island of 50 times as much video game as I have in my copy of this game for some fucking reason. Okay. I forget what unlocks the island. So it it is the old mayor coming. So I asked her, I said, how did you get that? And she was like, the old mayor came to visit. And I'm like, how did you make that happen? She's like, I don't know. (laughs) So she has a dozen mini games that she can play with goals and rewards. And I have fucking just like nothing. Have you, I guess, have you paid off the first loan on your house? I haven't that. I think that might be the trigger. I think the boat appears for you once you've paid the the first loan. 
I haven't because the way that I would get enough money to pay off the first loan on my house is by doing some boring shit a hundred times in a row. Yeah, fishing or uh, picking fruit. Basically being, you know, an illegal alien in this little town. I do not understand. I do not understand. The economy of picking fruit cannot make any sense because I owe $36,000 on this house. Every day, 10 fruits appear on my island and I can pick them and sell them for $5 each. Well, you can also bury them and make more fruit trees. Yeah, but st- it time-wise, it the like the fruits are so low value that I do not understand why they exist. The um the fruits that are native to your area are worth half as much as imported fruit. Um even at even at 10 times their value, I would not judge them to be a reasonable a, How a, much is the first payment a, a, on a, application of a time economy though. like a foreign fruit. Yes, a foreign is fruit is worth five hundred. Is worth five. So it's worth a hundred times as much, not twice as much. Well, no, you are but you you also lowballed the actual price of the the local fruit. Local fruit are I think worth two fifty. No, they worth fucking five. No, nope, you're wrong. Uh, okay. Maybe it is. Well, then maybe I should have been picking all this fucking fruit, except I sold one once and it was, she gave me five fucking bells for it. So I was like, oh, I guess Uh, this is not a thing. Maybe it, was it maybe sat on the ground for a long time and it was rotten? I think that's a thing that happens. Uh, Okay. That could have been, I guess. Huh. Yeah. Wow. You never actually picked a fruit off of a tree. I did. You can't. You didn't pick it off the ground? You shake the tree, and then you pick them up off the ground. I see. It could be that I shook the tree, put my DS down for a week. <laughs> so, so also, this is sort of an interesting thing about being in a dense urban environment. Emily got a street pass friend just mm. by apparently somebody walking past the house with a DS in street pass mode. Oh, nice. Wow. So That's she's, a pretty wide range because we are not near the street. No, we're not. I mean, unless, unless she's oh, been... in the building maybe, too. That could be, yeah. There are kids who live right downstairs. Sure, okay. Um... I don't have any, though. I only have her in Street Pass. I also got yelled at by that fucking mole because <laughs> I saved. I, again, playing my 3DS, I am back in this thing where I don't fucking understand why people have not collectively burned down Nintendo's headquarters yet about the fucking battery life on the 3DS. The battery life on the 3DS is effectively fucking zero. What, what makes you say that? Because every time I play my 3DS, close it and put it down, the next time I come back to it, the fucking battery is dead. Huh. If I don't leave it plugged in all the time, you basically cannot... Unless unless there has just been some fundamental shift in the way that technology works between the DS and the 3DS, where the 3DS... I could play off and on for a month on a single battery charge, the DS, yeah. And the 3DS, I can play off and on for half an hour hmm. on a battery charge. I wonder if maybe like, you just your your individual battery in that unit is crapped out. I mean, it was crapped out from the day that it was born. It was born bad, if so. Because, hmm. yeah, because mine's not nearly that bad. I can get, I don't know, three or four hours playing it. 
I feel like you should get a, an XL anyway. It's not the they're, playing they're it. Cool. It's, the, it's not the playing it. It's sitting doing nothing that... But maybe it's not doing nothing. I mean, maybe you accidentally no, signed not... up for DS SETI at home. That's probably, <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. I mean, before I had just turned off the wireless, and then Animal Crossing just keeps bitching at me. You can't do any of this cool shit if you turn off the wireless. I turn the wireless on, and now it only lasts 10 seconds when it's closed as opposed to... Can't you just plug it in? I guess I could, yeah. Sure. I remember to do that. And some fucking mole yells at me. <laughs> I don't get it, man. It seems like she's having some fun on that island, but I'm just like, what the fuck, man? Every day I log, every day I open it up and I go and I find like the three fossils. And the first time I was like, I'm going to sell all these fossils. Hey, that's good. That's worth 11,000 bells. And then Emily made me feel guilty about not giving the fucking fossils to the museum. So I have to give all my fucking fossils to the fucking well, owl. I mean, it's like, hey, if you're going to come visit me in the daytime, I guess you're just going to have to click through like four minutes of dialogue of me being like, oh, I'm an owl. We sleep during the day. If, if you wanted, you could, you could pretty easily uh, shortcut it just by getting Emily to farm you a bunch of gold at the uh, at the island because the the bugs and fish that you can catch at the island are super profitable like you can get like 300,000 bells in a trip easy so she could basically pay off your loan for you just by dumping do some gold next bells? to your house um, you can uh, you can convert them into bags in your inventory and then drop bags on the ground I don't are you guys playing in the same town, or do you have separate cartridges? No, we have separate cartridges. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if if they're tradable when you visit each other. I don't know how that works. It seemed very limited, like what you could do. I. I guess at the at the least team. she. I don't. Because hmm, I know you can use wrapping paper to wrap things up into gifts and trade gifts between players. I, I don't, mean, she like I don't know if fish and bugs are tradable or and not. And I took it. I mean, I think I could catch fish and bugs in her. I can. She oh can yeah. She can island, take you right? to the There's island. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would probably be the best way to do it. it. You know, though it took, there was so much time and I realized that I'm exaggerating because this is probably only like 30 or maybe 45 seconds but the process of getting into somebody else's town mm. required us both to just sit there watching little spinny load bars and doing nothing for so long that it was just like, huh. yeah, I don't really want to do this again. It was like, I went and visited her town, and then she was like, yeah, I don't really want to sit through that to come visit your town, because your town is bullshit, because <laughs> you don't have anything in it. I wonder if that has like, anything to even... do with the quality of the internet there. Well, I think it's just ad hoc, like. Oh, like the local. It's the just being connected. Being connected visit to the somebody same nearby is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also played a shitload of Rogue Legacy. Rift, did you play any Rogue Legacy? Uh, I'm still waiting for the Mac version. I'm so oh. so. Uh, I don't know. Eager. Everyone seems to be Rift. loving the shit out of it. You have. You have Windows on your machine. Yeah, but swap, swapping over to Windows means that I then don't have my GChat or my iTunes or all the other stuff on my other two monitors that I like to, to multitask with, you know? Well, but you could have GChat. Like, that's not a thing that doesn't exist on Windows. 
Yeah. iTunes also exists on Windows. I, also, if you're writing a resume in the future, I would not suggest describing playing video games and listening to music at the same time <laughs> as multitasking. Uh, I, I mean, mean, like, it is technically true. You are performing multiple <laughs> tasks at the same time, but, like, I don't know that that's really what that word is for. I, I have not been running basically anything except Steam on my Windows partition just because I don't want to have to deal with, uh, like, fi firewalls and virus security and stuff. Kevin is um, doing magic tricks over here. He's levitating a whiskey glass up into his lap by squeezing his thighs together. I think he's practicing for uh, finishing school where you have to keep a spread <laughs> between your knees all the time. So, no, that's, that's the birth control method, right? Like, take one aspirin, keep it between your knees. <laughs> I've, I've never heard that before. That's funny. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's some homespun country doctor wisdom from the 30s. Um, so I, I found myself with a desktop computer and no internet for many, many days. Right. I went to a coffee shop several with days after Rogue Legacy came out with my laptop. I downloaded Rogue Legacy, put it on a thumb drive, put it on my desktop, and that's really all I could play. Because it turns out, Steam is fucking horseshit if you don't have an internet connection. Like, Steam ha theoretically has an offline mode. But my desktop computer, on which I've been happily using Steam for like two years, when I run Steam on it, not connected to the internet, it says Steam cannot launch in offline mode because it doesn't have any login information stored on this computer. Hmm. And A, what the fuck are you talking about? Because you don't yes, you type do in your password have login information stored. Steam. B, what the fuck good would it do to have login information stored on this computer if you can't verify it against an authentication server? Like, what kind of set like apparently to get steam to work offline you have to log into steam set it to offline mode where steam is like all right here you go buddy and i guess maybe that's a thing where it's like a given account can only have one computer activated in offline mode at any given time oh, oh. Huh. which makes sense right i mean given their, the way their security works is you don't run into it i mean so I run into it all the fucking time because I use like four different computers. Oh, so maybe it's on a pretty thinking regular that basis. Your, your work computer is your. Yeah. Anytime you use it on a new computer or one like a different computer than you used it on the last time, it has to like email you a code that you type in to to sort of like activate your licenses on that computer. Right. And I guess maybe if it can't do that when you're offline, yeah, I don't even know. I I ended up playing a ton of Rogue Legacy for like oh, four days. Whatever. I, I eventually beat it. I I liked it. I really enjoyed playing it. It did not turn out to be as compelling a long term experience as I had hoped. I mean it's like <laughs> I said in the in the video games hot dog forums, it was very much just a game and not a lifestyle the way that a binding of Isaac. You know, I am was. totally okay with games just being games and <laughs> lifestyles. Sure. I mean I don't think that The Binding of Isaac is trying to be a lifestyle. I think it is just so good that it can be. Whereas this Rogue Legacy kind of cuts itself off at the knees by... It, it very quickly gives you almost everything that it has to offer. And so much of what you are acquiring... It, like, 
you you get you you gain player skill the way that you do in the binding of isaac but you also in such a crazy grindy way gain avatar skill that it's it, it vastly over yeah it's 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 and it it probably is not right somebody could probably do a completely vanilla run where they beat the entire game if they were good enough at jumping around and swinging the swords. I mean, it, it it's it does have that thing where I believe that the Binding of like I believe that what he did in testing the Binding of Isaac was to beat every room in the game with a vanilla non-powered up character and to beat every boss with the non-powered up character to prove that it was possible. Yeah. I'm not convinced that, that that happened, and I don't think it's important if it is if, if it isn't. Possible. Something that he said in Indie Game the movie confirmed what was already my suspicion. Which that's was. that what he did, which was he was like, "Do people really make games that they can't beat?" Like he was surprised that yes. anyone would make it. No, I, you and I are not surprised by that because we're fucking terrible game designers. Well, no. <laughs> so, I mean, the space cam. Space Cam, it was never been beaten by sure. That was a lully joke, though, that that guy made. But it was true. He's never beaten his own game. Sure. Because that last level was a bitch. Right. (laughs) But I'm not saying saying that everybody does. I don't know if I even got to the last level. (laughs) I am saying that I am saying that my feeling when I started playing The Binding of Isaac was like, I wonder how he tested. I wonder how he balanced this. I'll bet he just beat every room with an with a non-leveled up character to prove that it was possible and then from what i saw in that movie it was like yep that that sounds like Hmm. the kind of thing that he would do and i don't know made a lot of sense you probably could do it in rogue legacy but you what you could also do is just play 30 games where all you're doing is getting gold and increasing your damage output and just doing it and it's like the level generation in rogue legacy is not less complicated than the level generation in The Binding of Isaac, but it's kind of less satisfying. Like, The Binding of Isaac has this really solid optimization puzzle that you do on every level that's generated because then you're moving on and you're done. And Rogue Legacy does that from game to game. It There is a weird psychological trick at work, I think. And it, to say that it is a trick is not very charitable. I don't I don't because I don't think that this I don't think that they are trying to trick us. Right. But after your game is over, you are given the opportunity to spend the gold that you earned in the previous game to make the next game easier by starting the next game. And I think that what that probably does is it just makes the average play session 5 times as long as it would be if you did those things in a different order, uh, what do you mean by because because it 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 encourages that I'll just play one more level behavior. It, yeah, in order to in order to spend the treasure oh, you that you earned in the previous the game. game, you have to start the next game, and it's just a mechanical thing, right? Like I don't think it's a manipulative thing at all. It is that instead of there just being a menu where you buy this stuff, you go as your next dude to the blacksmith and you buy this stuff or right. you, you know you go cuz it's it's the thematic thing where this is a totally new character that you're right up. and this is your this is your inheritance 
is yeah. the money that you earned in the last in the last run. And I and I really do think that like every time I found myself playing the game and I'm like I'm just going to quit when I'm done, I would end up playing two or three more runs after that just because of that sort of even though the, even though the gold or whatever will survive until your next play well it won't what do you mean like when i beat a game and i have 10,000 gold yeah. the only way for me to spend that gold is to start a new game immediately you yeah. can't put the, you can't like yeah, quit. i could yeah i could close it and spend it next time but then that's, that's what i'm saying like you could you, you can walk away from it with the 10,000 well, gold sure. you could also just walk away from it in the middle of a fight I mean, there's all kinds of things you could do, but what I'm saying is... I'm excited game, to talk about the assignment. This game makes it so you don't. Yeah, me too. And we're, this, is, this is getting long already. What, what have you been playing, Kevin? Uh, the only game that I have played outside the assignment, uh, again, not having internet, uh, I played you know some letterpress or whatever, uh, but was a game that you mentioned to me just the other day, which was... Uh, Where's my water? Oh yeah, that Disney the Disney game Where's My Water became free yeah. a couple days ago. And it is interesting. It is there's a lot of game there. Um, it is a game where you are it has a sort of a rudimentary physics engine and there is a, sort of a, a a low resolution sort of water modeling system in there and you're basically trying to get water from one place to another with a bunch of obstacles and sort of side goals along the way. Um, and they have done a lot of, of sort of variants on that theme and idea. And it's, it's got a lot of stuff going on. It's there's collectibles. There's like that are hidden in levels. There are like alternative versions of the same level with different goals. There are like basic gameplay is, some of the level is dirt, some yeah. of the level is impassable, like sewer walls, and some of the level is like pipes and stuff, and there's yeah. water, and you dig channels for the water to flow through. And your ostensible goal is like there's a guy, there's a crocodile, like a sewer alligator yeah. that wants, wants to take, to take a, a shower. Yeah. Wants to take a bath. <laughs> and yep. you have to divert enough water to the outside of his little enclosure, right. the inflow pipe. To fill his bathtub. I mean, sometimes there are like movable gates, and sometimes there are like valves that you have to open and close. There are a bunch of like rubber ducks hidden in the level that you, if you divert the water through that, you collect the, you know, it's like the optional sort of achievement stars. Yeah, it's like the, yeah, getting three stars. So then you eventually get to the point where there's like this mold that anytime water hits it, it will grow and become impassable. And then there's like acid that will kill the alligator or make him angry if it gets down there. If water hits it, it turns the water into acid. But if the acid hits the mold, it destroys it. Right. Um, then there are levels where there is steam that goes up instead yeah. of That's, instead of going down. What you were describing actually was poison because poison will kill the plants. But there's also there is there's also acid which oh. will actually eat through the dirt. Oh, okay. And so the dirt, like if it starts someplace, it'll just it'll carve its own tunnel. That you don't have much hmm. control over. Um, I don't know that I think that this is a great game, but it was fun and it was certainly worth the price of zero. Yeah, and it's like it's expansive. Like there is a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I feel like this is one of those things like move the box or cut the rope or whatever. Where it's where, easy to make a level. Yeah, and 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 it's also like and like putting monsters or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like why not just make five hundred levels? I wonder about putting monsters. That, they haven't they haven't updated that. 
and I'm wondering, like, did she that didn't just not sell, didn't sell do well very enough? Because well? yeah. that's that's really what sad. was that one that I liked that you got all pissed off? Amazing Breaker. Oh God, yeah. Ah, oh, so good. <laughs> I think they actually updated that, and I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm not actually gonna. I'm, no. I am going to opt out of nice of completing those levels. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, those are the things that we have been playing. What's in the news, Kevin? Well, um, the big sort of news for this week uh, was that um, Ryan Davis sort of unexpectedly passed away over the weekend. Mm, yeah, um, it was super sad. I don't have a lot to, lot to say about that. I mean, the, the, the people who are more involved in it haven't already said but i i met him once um last year like just about exactly a year ago at california extreme and he was super nice and uh was all about like telling me what california extreme was like and how to enjoy it the best and then emily at gdc uh ran into him at some sort of random karaoke party and i got the sense from her conversation that he was the guy that like went out of his way to include her and make her feel welcome in a in a party where she didn't really know a lot of people and yeah I feel like every good thing that everybody is saying about that dude is just completely true and not just a thing that they're saying because some dude just died and uh, he was a he was sort of a games that journalist sucks. that everybody really admired and liked yeah and respected yeah yep bombcast bombcast is gonna be rough. It's they're just not gonna, they're just not going to do it for a while. I mean they they did a they did a sort of memorial episode and they were like we're going to we need some time. It's going to be a while. Um that's good. I can respect that. Hey wh- hey what else is new? Well, what's um, less depressing? Could you tell me about could you tell me about new ways that I could get called a faggot? Uh sure. Uh Dota 2 has come out of <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Uh, so I, I mean, I feel like anybody that had wanted to play the game could already play the game. Uh, was it one of those things where everybody got? Not, it was like Gmail in in two thousand three, just where yeah, everybody had an you invite. could have an invite. Yeah. Um, so apparently, it's no longer in beta, but they're still they're gonna like let the general public in in waves so as not to overwhelm the game or whatever. But the game had like millions of players already, so I, you know, for a game that was in beta, it was pretty. Fully, uh, fully fleshed out. Did you see the the heat maps of where people were playing Dota 2? It was really interesting. It was all of Europe, like just covered completely, and then very discreet sections of the United States, including a lot of the South. Hmm. Like there were huge swaths of the middle of the country that just didn't play Dota I mean, 2 at all. They are good at calling people faggot. And then. Um, and then there was sections in South America and stuff like that, but it was like it was, it was very much a Eurocentric game, which I did not and distinct expect. distinct from just a population heat map. I mean, that's this is yeah, that's like the Randall Monroe's complaint very, about every about every heat map is that every heat map is identical to a heat map of population. It was not. It was not yeah. identical to, a heat, to like like Europe was completely covered, and it was like not just like coasts and like cities. But but distinctly, I really want regions. someone to distill what is good about Dota and League of Legends into an accessible into game. yeah into a game that is 
unbalanced enough that the serious players will immediately dismiss it, but compelling enough that some people will play it and I would be able to in a non-hyper-competitive environment. This might just be one of those things like Counter-Strike or whatever, where there isn't any way to play it because as while long as avoiding some way to be really good at it, somebody will do it, and they will just keep sniping people because they really enjoy sniping people. But it's not about sniping people. It's about it is about the the sort of like intensity of the teamwork that is involved, and there is a meta game that is incomprehensible to a new player that they will just fuck up and then just get yelled at right. because one person, not knowing what they're doing, can make a mistake in the beginning of a 45 minute game that just everyone else on your team understands that you just lost them the game, but you have no idea what the fuck is going on, right. which is just, I, I cannot imagine. And I feel like, I feel like this is just the start of me becoming old and irrelevant is <laughs> my unwillingness, my unwillingness to tolerate what is going on in, in that, seen enough to learn what is good about the game is is just like I don't know. You know, I feel like I need like some young protege. When I I remember asking Mike Nelson, it was like, man, how do you balance staying on top of what's going on to be able to like make jokes and and be able to like meaningfully reference modern pop culture stuff while still working a full-time job and his answer was basically like oh, we just hired a young guy <laughs> to to really? do that for us <laughs> and i was like wow that's super fucking depressing <laughs> like uh, huh and then he was like nah i overstated that a little i mean but yeah it was, uh, this it's just don't man i like i i keep hearing things about it i have never touched it even once. I mean, yeah. my understanding is it's a game where, alright, you're a guy and you've got spells you can cast and here's some monsters for you to kill, but f- don't cast any of those fucking spells or kill any of those monsters, you fucking idiot. It's <laughs> it's like lane defense kind of yeah. stuff, right? Like, I, yeah, I... It sounds like it could be really cool, but I also don't want to even touch it because it's a team game. I, you know, I would want a single-player tutorial version that was pretty comprehensive. Before they might I, have that, you know. I mean, maybe I that mean, was part of. And it's entirely possible that we could do like you know, like we did with Team Fortress Two. Sure. Nobody, nobody a friendly version that we got to play sure. as a. No, and it was really just it was people making fun of me for pretending like I was worse at it than I was. Also, Team Fortress 2 was a ton of fun. Yeah, right? it really was. Once once I figured out that you could turn on the damage readout and right. the sounds when you actually hit somebody, you got a lot which, better. Yeah, which just should be on by default, like and I don't understand why it's not. It's an artifact uh, of history. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's hear. So there's been a bunch of uh, sites that came out in the past couple days that that are just done taking pre-orders for PlayStation 4 and Xbox Ones and stuff. Uh, yeah, I heard Am- I heard GameStop stopped taking orders for PlayStation. I hadn't heard anything about Xbox yet. Amazon, yeah. Amazon stopped taking orders for both of the launch versions. Like they'll still hmm. take they'll still take your money, but they're not going to guarantee that you'll get your unit anytime close to launch. So, I feel like a, a console which doesn't come out for 5 or 6 months is already sold out to like production capacity for launch 
Get which, some Comic Con tickets. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Like, uh, who knows? Like, it, there a lot. Like, there have been so many people that have been talking about how these consoles are not gonna. You know, like, who cares about the new consoles? They're just more of the same or whatever. And like, they are clearly doing just fine. Yeah. Right. Like, it's weird though. I find the idea of buying a console at launch just incomprehensible. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because of the titles on it. Yeah, or? because the game library, the game library is guaranteed to be less than the meager thing that they promise it will be, and it's like it's it's fucking nuts. Because I nuts. To I me. wait. I always want to wait for a second generation of a piece of hardware because it will almost always be better, right? Yeah. Like, instead of getting the 3ds, I you know I was gonna wait for the 3ds Lite or the 3ds xl or whatever the thing was gonna be and the 3ds xl seems to be just superior in almost really everywhere. really big screen sure yeah it's Not nice with that x yeah but i mean that's right like that seems great it's like that seems like that's a an improvement or whatever i don't know the something else that i saw today which was pretty funny was that there is a group of people that is petitioning microsoft to go back to their their previously announced stance on how they're going to do periodic check-ins and and the, the sort of like DRM sort of always online kind of thing because they like they want the, it to be a much closer experience to like Steam hmm. than it's going to be now that it's just sort of the old standby where you know you can trade discs but you can't do anything digitally or whatever. Um, it seems like there's like, a lot of there's a lot of misinformation, I think, floating around because Microsoft was so vague on how a lot of those features would work. I think a lot of people are assuming that they're losing things that I don't think they necessarily would have gotten in the first place. Like I saw, I saw a couple people bemoaning the inability to sell uh, digital downloaded games, and I'm pretty sure that was never a thing. They They offered a way that you can... Trade them, you can yeah. Trade them that you to can like friends, or yeah, or or delock a physical disc so that you could resell a disc, but you were never going to be able to to sell back a purely download game, and I don't know. People seem really confused about what what actually was going to be happening, and I think a big fault of that is Microsoft just being really. I don't know, I guess shady isn't exactly the word, but they were certainly pretty vague about how exactly think, all this stuff was going to work. I think they were afraid. I think they were afraid of the, the, the reaction that they were going to get. Because any time you change... I mean, what, what this illustrates to me is any time you change anything, there's going to be a set of people oh, that, yeah. that gets upset, right? Like, it's... You can't have... Somewhere there's a group of people complaining that the internet has not enough rape jokes. Okay. Sure, I suppose that's possible. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, anytime you change anything, there's there are people that complain that there's too much internet, right? Because there there used to be zero internet, and and having any internet at all is too. So that's much. like the opposite of the people who are trying to get us to adopt IPv6, right? <laughs> like the people downstairs at Noisebridge. Yeah, we're like people, right above the Noisebridge. The people that are upset that you're not going to be able to get junk mail on Saturdays anymore. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm less less upset about that and less and more not. I guess I'm not upset. I 
I will be sad that I will have one less day that I could re- receive Netflix movies, right? Because, <laughs> like, losing one out of six days is a pretty significant reduction in movie consumption, right? Like, And you're that weird case where you actually watch movies faster than Netflix can send them to you. Normally, people with your bulk of Netflix usage are just ripping, ripping them. Yeah. And you're not. No. But you're getting... You're running afoul. You are the, like golden child theoretical <laughs> case that the people who are bitching about that throttling invoked right that actually gets harmed by the throttling sure i i have not run afoul i i, I will sit on a movie for a week at a time enough that they don't seem to be <laughs> keeping me away from anything i sat on apocalypse now redux for 18 months yeah I think I, I I no longer remember how long I had Zardoz. I think it was nearly two years. <laughs> you guys, you guys are ridiculous. Right? <laughs> I know. I mean, we just fall into that thing where we. It seems when you're clicking things on the internet like a good idea to do something edifying, like future me three days from now me totally gonna get on the ball and do some edifying <laughs> shit. But right now me. No way, man. No way I'm going to watch Apocalypse Now Redux. I can't beat off to that. I mean, I guess I paid for a gym membership for like two or three months where I just had stopped going. But then like when I, when I got to like the, the third or fourth month, I was like, this is ridiculous. Why am I doing this? And I, I cut that shit off. This is one reason I don't automate any of my bills. Because if I, because I pay everything manually every month, Right, if you're not using something, mm. you, you become more acutely Way aware more of the money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that if I became acutely aware of all the money that I spent, I would probably just start killing people. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, it, like, I feel like given that I almost exclusively just shit and piss out the window, right. it makes very little sense to pay for, for plumbing water. here. Luckily, we don't pay for water. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, then that's fine. Well, I'll start shitting in the well, sink. Because your your suggestion was we should generate electricity through a bunch of small turbines that we that we use by just with like water from the tap. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me just shortcut that and just pee into the turbine. Oh, okay, that also works. Just drink water. Just a constant. Make a perpetual motion machine. We've got a new <laughs> uh, a new soda stream thing here, Riff. That uh, I think I think the CO two pressure powers an LED light in it and it like, huh. depending it shows you how much carbonation you have in your in your bottle by sort of an increasingly bright set of uh, LEDs or whatever. Oh, mm-hmm. that's neat. And yeah, I was like, huh. Except that's, there's that's, no fart noise. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> what? Fart noise. There's like there is like a horrifying squeal. Yeah. And then the psh, Oh. No fart noise anymore. No, I know. It's still the Star Trek door, but the the fart noise is gone. Yeah. It's sad. Two yeah. steps forward, one step back. Um, yeah, so that's about that's about all the news. Good. So this assignment, save the date. Yes, Kevin, yeah. you seem to have some things to say. Well, I no, I am excited about the discussion. I, it's not that I have anything concrete that I. I mean, there's a couple of things that I. You do want to talk say. to me about whether or not it matters that this game does not have an ending? Well. I mean, we. I think we should discuss whether we think it does have an ending or not. All right. So, Riff, what did you do? Yeah. Uh, 
Spoilers I, ahead. I, yeah, definitely. I, I fumbled through basically all of it. I eventually figured out that you can claim to be a time traveler and get her to to tell you the thing that you need to know to to get her to go to the to the overlook. Right. And then and then from there, I don't know, muddled around in it until I satisfied myself that there was not actually a a good ending, so to speak. What about you, Zach? I walked away when she asked me to. The first time. When she asked me to. Not when not when the game suggested that that would be the right thing to do. I went well, three wait, or four. What does it mean? Because like, when the, the game suggestions are almost all her talking. Mm, right. No, I guess. I guess when she explicitly asked me to, I was like, all right. Closing. You know, I, I'm, I'm I, going to do this thing. It's I, interesting. I had a similar experience where the, uh, so I also walked away from it. But it was when my character, when the, the, for the first time, my dialogue option was, this is the last time, I promise. I yeah, know. that was, that okay. was when I stopped. I, I considered yeah. stopping earlier, but there is, there's a bit before the aliens attack where you can ask her if she thinks this is how it was meant to end. And she says, right. eh, not really. And so that, that made me think yeah. that that there was a good ending there somewhere that I just hadn't found the path to, but eventually determined that there wasn't. So we, it seems like all of us played it more or less similarly. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised, Kevin, that you were willing to not exhaustively explore all the dialogue branches because that's like who you are is exhaustive exactly, dialogue. Exactly, right? Like, that is explorer. totally, that's totally who I am. And I had, like, you know, I This game her. fucks with that in some, this game fucks with that in some ways that I think basically renders it impossible, right? Well, how it, so? By changing states in a, in a sort of a chaotic way, you would have to, you would have to start from a blank save file. I never saved in and play. I never saved in the middle of the game. But I, I'm saying you would have to start for, you would have to start from scratch because just playing through it once and having her get killed mm-hmm. changes the way that it plays. But not if you chose all the same responses, you get exactly the same thing. Yeah, but you get you don't get exactly the same thing because you get different responses you get offered, different to you. options. But but if you take the same path, you get the same thing. Yeah, you, what I'm you, saying is I you don't get, think that there is one way to comprehensively see all of the dialogue. Sure, there is. Yeah, you get more options, but I don't. I think the old options are still there. In every case, yeah, I think huh. so. Yeah, yeah. I never had anything disappear. It was everything was always added. Did you guys did actually did you guys find out about the super secret ending? The, the hacker, hacker thing? thing? Yeah. No. Yeah. I heard people talking about it, but I didn't get that. Yeah, I, I read about it. I didn't actually investigate what it was or what the text was. And you know, that's the thing. Like I now that I know that there's something else, I like I part of me was like, ooh, I want to go back and say that, but I was I promised that it, that was the last time. Yeah, I'm not gonna I assumed, kill I'm not gonna kill Felicia anymore. Right? I assumed like, there was something else. You know, I assumed that I assumed that there was, and I, I mean, I knew that something would happen, even if it was just a particularly obnoxious way that the game was going to kill her in front of me again. Mm-hmm. I so like so the time that, that said this is the last time I swear I kept going when through the dialogue trees until I had until I got to a screen that was just options, all of which I had tried before, and I was like, okay, I'm done. 
Hmm. Like that's it. Like that, you know, like I could probably unlock some new options or whatever, but like I had killed her 37 times in 12 different ways or whatever by the time that I finished the game. And I was like, you know, that's that's enough. I had done I think it, in each of the dates you can kill her two or three ways. Right, because there's like the there is like the fate way and then there is the trying to avoid that fate right. and failing way. So, and then, yeah, but there, and then there's like a couple of ways up on the hill. There's the, the way she dies even if you don't go on the date. So this is just a full-on twine game, right? Basically. It's just illustrated with, with and has yeah. music. And, and it's weird that, that... That additional polish made me like it a lot more the music, than the, the average really twine good. game. Yeah, yeah. Um... I can't really see it fundamentally differently, though, than that, right? No, like, I mean, it is essentially just a Twine game. It's just a really well-produced one, you know? So the fact, that it, the, the fact that it takes you back to the main menu and then the options are different is something that Twine theoretically could do, but yeah. would be tricky. You know what it reminded me of was, in some respects, slouching towards Bedlam. Right. And... Mm. Here's what here's what we're gonna do. Spoiler alert for slouching towards bedlam. It, listeners, trust me on this. Pause this podcast. <laughs> download Gargoyle, the IF interpreter for whatever uh, for whatever uh, operating system yeah. you run. Download, Zoom is a good one for Mac. Download Slouching Towards Bedlam, which is a text adventure which you can probably exhaustively explore in an hour. I I, I play. Let's play it for a couple hours. Couple hours. Pause. Pause this podcast. Play this game. Don't. Don't just think uh, they're going to talk spoilers about a game that I'm never going to play. Fucking play it. It's good. Just pause the podcast. Play Slashing Towards Bedlam. They've already paused it. So how many of how you? Are you <laughs> how are you talking to them still? How many of you are actually going to do it? I don't know. But that one guy. Thanks, Charles. <laughs> um. Like the winning, the basically the winning move in Slouching Towards Bedlam, once you understand what's going on, is like first turn suicide. Totally lets you do it. Like, that is the only way to get the sort of like, good, yeah, the sort of like utilitarian best ending, right? And that's cool. Utilitarian John Stuart Mill utilitarian. Well, are there different, are there different versions of utilitarianism? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like there's there's individual utilitarian. No. I think I'm I think I'm only familiar with the John Stuart Mill, like the greatest good for the greatest amount of people. Sure. Right. Um, but you know you you begin the game with knowledge from previous playthroughs. Mm-hmm. Slouching towards Bedlam is fucking great in that it incorporates like saving and loading into the narrative of right. the game. In in a you know in a in a subtle way it's like you know. Check it out. Bitches be all crazy and shit. They think they can save and load. That's just in a file that you find somewhere about bitches and how crazy they all be. There is a de- but, uh, there's a demo for out for a game called Undertale that uh, that is really good. I think I mentioned it before. It's on Kickstarter now, but it does some of that too, uh, even to the point of like saving saving your game and then doing stuff and then going back to the save the game knows that you've done that and some of the characters will comment on the fact that you've that you've just restored a save game that you went back and yeah 
and you get some different options that way. So, I mean, it's like Animal Cro- it's like the people in Animal Crossing recognizing you as a time traveler if you do you fuck with the, the weird shit where you fuck with a system clock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that stuff. Anything postmodern like that, I'm all about it. So I got to thinking about the way that the video games that I like end. And so, like, the way that Fallout 3 ended is... I went back to my house and logged off after going to some random building somewhere and like probably getting some sugar bombs or whatever. <laughs> okay. Like, and that was it. Mer- Merlin Mann talked about how the way that podcasts end is invariably just the next episode doesn't come out. You know, it's not ever a thing where there's like a big ending. It's just, and it's these lifestyle games, right? It's like, it's like games that exist as their own thing that you go and interact with on your terms sort of as opposed to like a Super Mario Brothers where you're not just fucking around right like there's a timer driving you forward there's there is an explicit goal and there is only one goal in Fallout 3 was there a point where the credits rolled uh yeah yeah there was so and then but you're allowed to play after that well no you have to reload from the ah, previous save and not ah, do that right ah. but but that's different. Once once you've got that DLC, I think Broken Steel can let you continue after the credits. Well, sure it does, and then there's another credits that roll later when you yeah. do whatever the fuck. I don't even remember what it was. I mean, that's like the... rolling credits is kind of the signal for the end. And sure, you can go back in media res, race or whatever and like start fucking around some more. But like the game ended. But it didn't, right? Like that's the thing. The fucking one of the quest lines that they arbitrarily decided was the main quest line because that's where they it arbitrarily? had they they determined that this was the main quest line by tripling the VO budget for it right wow. that's and that's that's the that's super cynical view you, but okay so what was the significant difference between like you played Skyrim, right? Like, didn't yeah. you play a bunch of Skyrim? Sure. I, How much of that time did you spend playing the main quest line? I was specifically avoiding it because so, I didn't want to progress it. So not. I mean, so you just didn't play Skyrim? No, I played. I played the first twenty percent of Skyrim in like forty hours. Right. Okay. I explored like two or three towns, right? Like, like. Sure. And a bunch so of what does it mean for you to have played the first 20% of Skyrim if you did 0% of the main storyline? The thing that, in your, in your perspective, ends the game mm-hmm. once you're done with it, you did 0 of that, so you just didn't play Skyrim? I didn't do 0 of it. You, you, start, out, you start out in the tutorial, basically, where you make your character, you yeah. are in the main storyline, right? Like... Yeah. <clears throat> Dude, you are you are being incredibly Super ungenerous arbitrary. No, I'm not. It's not. No, I'm not. Even I am being. Arbitrary. I am acknowledging the arbitrariness with which. Okay. So the, do you think I am that acknowledging the, no, the no, arbitrariness wait, stop, with which stop. the credits rolling represent the end of Fallout when 3? When you, when they started making Skyrim, do you think they sat down and were like, okay, here are the 250 systems and skills and stuff like that that we're gonna do? And we'll just slap a story on at the very end because that's that's it doesn't matter. 
I kind of do. Okay, I don't. I think that what they did was, okay, here are the major plot points we're going to hit. Here are the areas that you're going to, you know, be able to explore. They do all of the external sort of like structure to that first, and then they fill in the details. But they're not filling in the details. They they are. The main quest of Skyrim takes mm-hmm. you to one percent of the game world. Sure, I'm not saying the that game it's everywhere. The game is one hundred percent of the game world. The game is the systems that you explore and your experience okay. of having but the game explored them. The the narrative of the game is a subset of the possible things that can happen in the world, right? The, like, the narrative the narrative of the game mm-hmm. is an arbitrarily circled subset of things that can happen in the game. What do you mean by arbitrary? Maybe we're having a problem with this word, right? Because, like, arbitrary for me is they rolled some dice and we're like, okay, this is the main plot. Arbitrary doesn't mean random. Okay. So then what does it mean? Selected at... Selected on a whim rather than defined by the inherent nature of the system. So right, so this is so this is the problem. Like this is like this is like uh, the Euthyphro dilemma, right? Like morality can't come from God, morality can't come from a God because the whims of a God are definitionally arbitrary because a God who makes the rules, making the rules. So isn't and, isn't based on anything larger because if there was anything larger that it was based on, it wouldn't be coming from God. In right in so, Skyrim, they explain your ability to save and reload by talking about you being Dragonborn. Like, do they is, really? Yes, like that is part of the narrative of the game. Wow, did that, we accidentally invoke another game where? Did they really mention that? Yeah, the, that's like that is that is a where's distinct. That, is that part if you of read the, one like, of the stupid because you never read you never read books. those books because they're fucking yeah. terrible. <laughs> but in the books, they talk about this is like like part of the like metaphysics of that world is that like the the people that have been dragonborn in in throughout history like you know basically the the main characters of the earlier games have had this sort of special ability to rewind time basically right save and reload is basically what they're what they're talking about right like that's one of the things that distinguishes them so so i feel like what that is is a nod in the game at the game acknowledging what the actual story of skyrim is which is that a dude sitting in his mother's basement played <laughs> skyrim for 900 hours <laughs> that's the story and then one day he stopped Yes. I mean, like, that's... So is the story of Moby Dick is a dude uh, went to high school and was assigned the book and got the cliff notes and read them and that and a whale was shot with a spear? Right. Like, I mean, that, that, is, that, is that the story of Moby Dick? Like, do, do you... So you make video games for a living. Yeah. And you're doing a video games podcast yes. with me right now. Yes. Are you going to argue... Are you are you seriously going to look me in the eyes and tell me that video games are the same as books? No. Okay. Okay, but I think I think this game, I think Save the Date makes a case for the notion that narratives are things that are participatory engagements between an author and 
a reader. Right. right. And th- this is the exact point that I'm making about the story of Skyrim being the shit that you do while you're playing Skyrim as okay. opposed to a thing where your dude goes to Valhalla and then the game is over except well it's not really over because we recognized in Fallout 3 how fucking lame it was to make you stop playing okay. when our arbitrarily selected subset so, of our game that we decided was the story ends. So is the story of Ender's game the fact that you sat in a cafe and Ender's read a book? Ender's game is not a game. Okay, is this, so you're saying is the story of Ender's Game me reading Ender's Game? I sat in a in a trailer in the mountains of northern Arizona okay. reading Ender's Game. All right, no, no, so, it is not. So then you saying the story the of Ender's story Game is I hate is, gays as a dude in a basement reading an Orson playing... Scott Card book makes you complicit in the hatred of gays. <laughs> you the set you saying the story of Skyrim is you sitting in in a basement playing Skyrim does not make any sense if you're not if you're not going to also grant okay. that the story what I, of what like, I meant what I meant was the stuff that that dude in that basement did while he was playing Skyrim was the story of Skyrim I mean here's the thing the story of Skyrim is super fucking boring if you actually tell it because it's like first I took a step to the north on this road and then I took another step and I took another step and then I picked a purple mountain flower and then I took another step is that a wolf? nope nope it's not a wolf yeah. so you're describing so wheel of time here well okay but that so the, here's the thing right like in reading The Road right Cormac McCarthy right like he's talking about a journey where they they walk along a long road right like he does not describe each individual step but you can kind of imagine it. It's kind of, it's evoked that you, you, you get a sense of the, of the scenery and the world, and you are creating, at least, okay, when I read a book, I am creating a world and I'm imagining these characters interacting. I'm Sure, I mean, are you arguing that there is as much of a, are you arguing that the collaborative nature of video games is not unique to video games? Yes. It is just it is just more clearly delineated in video games because you have a, a, a more fundamental agency. agency. Yes. <clears throat> and that that is entirely well cuz so like the thing one of the things that that I was really excited about discussing was so right after I graduated college, I had gotten a grant to do a photography project and and the grant that I had proposed sort of the research project that I had proposed was I wanted to understand um, how Cartier-Bresson had, had done the photographs that he had, had, had made. He, he spent years just being a street photographer on, in, the, in the streets of Paris, just wandering and taking pictures. And when I looked at his pictures, for most of them, I could imagine this incredible backstory just based on the picture and the title, right? And each individual image just seemed to have this huge narrative and I was just fascinated by that and what I came to understand was that you can you can take a picture and as long as there's enough sort of dynamic interaction going on in the picture it doesn't even have to have people in it necessarily but as long as there is enough there are enough elements in the picture that you can connect with and it has some sort of interesting name you can create a narrative and it can, it'll be a little bit different for each person that looks at that picture but it like there are there are stories that come out of those single images and i thought well this is fascinating right because this is listeners this is, this is your tax dollars at work 
I mean, it wasn't government. Turns out you can take a picture of fucking anything. <laughs> and it is just as artistically valid as the most artistic picture that's ever been taken there of anything. There were plenty of pictures that I took that didn't have any interesting narrative to them. But the pictures that I did take, that I did put names to, had interesting stories that that fell out of them just by looking at them and then imagining and and and, and your argument is that those stories are are entirely in, in the in the mind of the reader yes. in the end yes and when when i read a book you and i have read books or even like articles or whatever and we've gotten very different things out of them like we'll we'll miss words or sentences or we'll like understand things differently or we'll right or like you don't understand how this the like certain parts of it are clearly about cutting off your own dick for example Right, like there will be there will be statements that resonate that that one of us will pick up on and the other person won't even notice. There will be, like, and that informs our internal representation of what's going on, and that internal representation is the story that's happening. Right, like, so do you think that there is a fundamental difference in a reader who plays a, a player who plays Super Mario Brothers without ever using the D pad? And all he does is just jump up and down, kill one Goomba, and then the timer runs out. Is there a difference between that act and the act of starting to read the Bible aloud and saying, in, and then just standing there until you die without ever (laughs) finishing reading the book? Do I think that there's a fundamental difference? Yeah, do you think there's a fundamental difference between those two actions? I don't know. I don't either. I'm not really sure what point I was trying to make. Okay, because I was going to ask. <laughs> well, in both cases, the participants had more agency available to them and chose not to take it. Sure. And then yeah. they both died. <laughs> right. The timer ran out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens to everybody. You yep. know, like, do, 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 So... In video games, there instead of having a language system that has allowed an author to come up with a very specific prescribed set of experiences that he is hoping that you will have, you know, you are probably going to have out of the possible, you know, I'm I'm holding my arms, uh, you know, wide apart or whatever. Out of the possible number of experiences, when you read a book, you're probably going to have a very small, narrow set of thoughts and feelings and experiences. Whereas in a game, their systems are much more expansive than, than just a simple language system, potentially. And so you're going to have a potentially much broader set of ex- experiences, some of which the designers of the game might not have ever intended. Wow. I don't know that that's right. fundamentally... So like... But in both so, cases, so, you're but, still experiencing. But what I'm saying is, like reading reading Lord of the Rings versus playing Asteroids on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Yeah. Right. It is not reasonable to say, given those two cases, that video games are going to prompt a more expansive experience True. in the mind of the user, right? Because True. it is just clearly not, and and. But Skyrim versus Lord of the Rings, I think you could make that claim right? yeah you probably could and so and that's a, there so is this, there so is then this that's a that's gradient. a super fucking weird thing to think about like that that gradient of 
agency versus what there is to experience, like just the volume of the volume of different things that there is to experience. I mean, is it a function of the density of those experiences over time? I had this thought, like in 50 years, instead of there being like a, a 3D modeling package like Unity or Maya or whatever, I think there might be a, a game maker where you basically just get a thing that is a model of life of the world, right? Like basically almost every object that you've ever interacted with is modeled and you can just sort of, there's just a library of things and you can just build these worlds arbitrarily. And, I, and I'm really curious what that is, what, what narratives slash games slash whatever media it's called at that point is gonna be like. Because if it is just trivial for anyone to pick up this thing and construct a world I mean, how do you know we're not already in a simulation, well, man? Well, I mean, exactly. Like, like that could we could be living in that for all. Oh man, did I tell you that I saw a homeless guy's dick yesterday? No. Yep. Walked by, walked by a doorway, like you know, a little like a like a cut in. Looked over, see a homeless guy sitting on a quilt, just has pants down around his ankles. Huh. I don't know what he was doing. I averted my gaze, but. Uh, once you can model that with 100% fidelity, <laughs> video games are Yeah, over. just think about the stories you'll be able to tell then. Yeah. So, save the date. It was I good. Saw a homeless guy's dick. I made up a story. I Like, I put it down, I turned it off, and then I just made up the story of oh, what really? happened. Huh, I 100% did not. You just didn't? No, yeah. I didn't either. The story that I made up was like, yep, I walked away. Right. See, that's the thing. Like, I, I made up a story where, like, the two of you fight off the alien invasion, right? Like, and it was really cool and fun and exciting and neat. And I was like, okay, that was great, right? Because then, like, there's this neat ending now. That's what, that's what interested me about the hacker ending. Because the, I think the implication there is that if you're going in and editing the game file anyway, you could write in the ending that you invent yourself as a legit choice in the game structure. Right. And maybe that's, maybe that's what he's actually hoping that people would do is that they, yeah. he's inviting people to go in and, and just edit the file to like do what they want. I, it, it opened up a bunch of really interesting questions that I had, that had been floating around in the back of my head for a long time. Because I, I think about when I'm reading a book, I'm not having the exact same experience that somebody else who's reading that book is having. Not just because of the external factors, but like in actually reading it, like my right, like the, the other readers are not getting hand jobs from homeless dudes sure. while they're reading sure. the book, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, like the the you'll imagine the characters as looking different or having different voices, or right. or if you accidentally watched the movie before you read the book, you will be unable to not see the character as the actor. Right? Yeah, yeah. No matter how much. Uh, Randall McMurphy does not look like Jack Nicholson <laughs> as described. Yeah. So there is, there is a lot of that going on in my head. It, it's, I wonder about movies, right? Cause movies don't tax your imagination nearly as much. And as an audience member of a movie, I, I don't know how much agency I am given in a lot of cases. Well, I mean, I would argue that we were given a tremendous amount of agency in our experience of Star Wars. Just dudes of our generation hmm. 
in terms of what we have done in our heads with what Star Wars presented to because us. Because of the universe that it... it yeah, because it, because like it, because it accidentally, it. apparently, fucking totally by accident, suggests <laughs> this amazing this amazing and expansive thing, right? And, right. I mean, partially just giving you the action figures, right? Like to, you know, which you theoretically tell your own stories with. I never did anything as a kid that I explicitly can identify as playing out my own scenarios with those action figures. Like, I think that I just kind of sat there fidgeting with them and thinking about stuff. Did you ever, like, make stuff with Legos and make sort of little stories? Because no. I... Never made, made any stories. And, that's, huh. and I think this is just my sort of fundamental failure to understand what a story is, uh, which is why I make all of these absurd proclamations about <laughs> what I think stories are, is because I just really don't understand. Like, yeah. I mean, I made a bunch of, like, Lego sets, Lego settings, and mm-hmm. did a did a bunch of... I don't know, like space combat missions, and like See, there was a lot make, of like a lot of like. I would make the base, and I would and make the ships, but then I would just think, well, it's like somebody else's job to decide what happens with these. Like you wouldn't I have, fly them around and have no. battle, battles and stuff. Like that? Huh. No. no, I would just build it, and then I would think about. I would imagine what battles were happening, but did you ever the, play with other kids and like? No. No, I never played with other kids. Like, I, I did not play with other kids prior to being in school, like, at all. There were maybe one or two times where I interacted with other kids. And I, also, I grew up in a cave. <laughs> did, you, did you ever, did you play role-playing games, like tabletop role-playing games? A little bit in high school, yeah. And what was that like? Because that is ostensibly a collaborative narrative. Everybody, everybody uh, hated me, and... I was not cool enough to even play uh, role-playing games with the nerds. Wait, what? I got... So, I... Um, the first time I ever played Dungeons & Dragons with other people, Yeah. Uh, he, he told us that we were in a subterranean desert, and I said... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Do you That's... mean a subtropical desert? Or... I was like, are we at, like, are we, is it like a desert in a cave? And I wasn't being a dick. Yeah, it's just, I what he meant was like, like a big city expanse underground. No, like, he didn't. He meant he just rolled on a chart and read it wrong. Oh, okay. So it was, it was fucking ridiculous. And then he was like, all right, well, you, you're dead. A vampiric mist kills you. I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks. Good. Wow. This is cool. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Um, that's that's a pretty harsh introduction. So no, Dang. basically my my uh, experience with collaborative <laughs> narrative is pointing out how everybody else is an idiot. Um, and so now it's good. See, I feel like we at work we collaboratively generate a narrative, and my primary goal is to tell you guys that you're idiots <laughs> and uh, do it do it again, only better, idiot. Okay. Okay. You know, so it's good. I don't. I don't produce stories, you know. I just I produce a setting, and then and then I let somebody else produce a story in it. That's, uh, that's that's what you do. It is it is really. I want so badly for there to be a Skyrim that just doesn't have the main quest. I feel like I feel like what most people think of as the story of Skyrim, which is, I don't fucking know. Like I guess you go kill a couple dragons, like. 
a couple of the dragons you kill are way more important than the 500 dragons you kill <laughs> while you're just wandering around. And then a couple of the old men that you talk to are way more important than all the other old men that you talk to while you're wandering around. And then there's one dragon who's really old and you have to make a deal with him or whatever. And then you fucking go to heaven at the end and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> And then it's like Diablo or And then you're just lost. like back in then you're just like back in the world and it's like wait a minute no like I just went to heaven <laughs> no, like nothing that is happening makes any fucking sense in light of what I have just experienced right like you, why are you afraid of that tiger killing you you're not cuz what happens to you when you die dude I was just there and it was awesome. The food ruled. <laughs> so, like, none of this, nothing makes any sense well, I mean, in light of the experience that, that I just lot, had. That is the argument that a lot of people who have, like, transcendent experiences right. in well, life make, but, but, right? But, but like, the, the, to me, this is just evidence that the main story of Skyrim is fucking irrelevant to what it is to play that game, what it is to have that experience, what it is to engage in that collaboration with the people who created Skyrim. Huh. And and the, the, so so save the date like it puts it it shines a light on this collaboration in a way that I feel like is supposed to be really surprising. Mm-hmm. You know, and and is like normally going to take people out of it because they're not accustomed to thinking about it as like of course the game ends with me walking away and not playing it anymore. That's how every game ends. Did it did you walk away after a after a death or did you like literally walk away in the middle of in the middle of it. Okay. She 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 wanted me to I was being given the opportunity to walk away without her getting killed again. And at some point she said, "Seriously? You're seriously going to keep clicking?" And then I was like, nope, no, I'm not. You're right. Because uh, I don't know when, I don't know which click is going to kill you, but I feel like I'm probably getting close, so I'm done. The uh, the game explicitly mentions Groundhog Day, but when it became clear to me that you were repeating this thing and the game's primary character was named Felicia, the first thing I thought of was like, oh, so this is basically Felicia Day, the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. <clears throat> That's pretty clever. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't tweet it because I figured it was somebody had probably already made that joke. See, because you're you're terrified of making a joke that's not original. Exactly, it cripples you the way that it does me. I I was frustrated by some of the commentary that that said that they felt like this game was pretentious because I thought it was really interesting and genuine, mm-hmm. but maybe that was also people who uh, apparently there was some sort of interview or set of interviews that the the developer gave which he was kind of a dick about people not getting it or or not not necess- like the people who got the hacker ending thinking that that was the the good ending or whatever like him being like no that's so I, not my point if you all. hadn't played it and talked to me i think i would have not gotten to the actual meat of it which is that I stopped I I I thought like 
I basically concluded that it was impossible to exhaustively explore it because it changed every time. Okay. And so I didn't ever make it to the, the make hill. it to the hill. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, okay. I I get I mean, I get it. It's just a game where you can't like it's just inevitable. It's like, you know, final I've never seen the movie Final Destination. Right. I don't know if maybe they win at the end. I think maybe no. Some of them do, right? Well, now I don't want to see it at all. Like, if it's just fucking a game where it like, turns out you can't cheat death, oh, wait, yes, you can. <laughs> and it just backs away, flipping you off with both hands. Fuck that. <laughs> I mean, I think the idea is that, that some of them do, but it always sets it up for the next movie. They're going to die in the sequel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, one person's pretentious... Yeah, I feel is, like that's, like, because I, I, you know, the games that I have felt like were pretentious were that people were like, no, they're fine, what's your problem? Right, so, I mean, I feel like yeah. Don't Look Back is pretty pretentious. <laughs> Which I, you know, and I felt like it wasn't at all, I felt like it was beautiful and moving. Yeah, I mean, something that, you know, something that, from your perspective, is what it is, isn't pretending to anything, right? So it's not, like, something that does just on its merits in your mind acquire the the heft that it is shooting for is not trying to be bigger than it is you could argue that trying to be big is like trying to be emotionally powerful is in itself a pretentious act and I would actually argue that I just don't think there's anything wrong with things being pretentious like Hmm. I interesting. Like I remember saying something about like when I first discovered Joanna Newsom talking to somebody about Joanna Newsom and she said, I don't know, she just seems kind of pretentious and I said, I think that as a culture we can afford for our poets to be pretentious. Hmm. Like I think that's okay. I think it's gonna be okay <laughs> <laughs> if some people are pretentious and make this amazing stuff you know it's well, amazing I, to me i mean you you know like there's there's pretentious i mean done well and and not done well you know i mean if if the work doesn't live up to but but i mean i the think the pretense then but what we're arriving at here is is that entirely subjective is oh sure is everything that i don't is think pretentious no, it's not done well to the one dude that it really speaks to sure sure and and yes it is i mean I remember, I remember specifically talking to you about Joanna Newsom and how I felt like the stuff that she was talking about. I think I think that it was specifically we were comparing Joanna Newsom and Coldplay, <laughs> and that I felt that one of those things that 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 like Joanna Newsom singing a song about like. The struggles Space. inherent in producing creative work okay. versus Coldplay asshole singing about the struggles inherent in having just broken up with his ninth girlfriend this year were fundamentally different things and that one of them was a more valid and more real thing than the other one because everyone... Breaks up with their ninth girlfriend. Yeah, everyone <laughs> breaks up with their ninth girlfriend. Not everyone is... is up all night worrying about whether the thing that they've put out in the world is good enough to merit existence or not. But all that is, is 
her singing about the kind of things that keep me up at night and him singing about the kind of things that keep normal people up at night. <laughs> and so to me, it's not pretentious. And, you know, to everybody else, that's like, oh my God, I can't believe the feelings that I'm having about Peter Cetera's relationship. <laughs> like, <laughs> not that I believe that Peter Cetera is the guy from Coldplay. <laughs> I know that they are two different people. What's our next assignment? This is... This has gotten off the rails. Uh, so this is potentially a disaster. Uh, there's a game coming out uh, tomorrow slash today or whatever. So we're assigning a game that does not yet exist. Yes. Nice. Uh, it, it is called Tiny Thief. It's uh, for iOS and maybe Android. Uh, it is being published. It's uh, being published by Rovio, the Angry Birds people. They like they made yeah. a publishing arm of their company. Um, it's as not, we were walking to the them. as we were walking oh, to the okay. restaurant where we ate dinner, uh, Kevin was suggesting that we do this game, and a man walked by in a big red Angry Birds shirt. Yeah, and we, took and that we determined that this was a sign. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, also, uh, we shortly thereafter uh, decided that. All of our games from now on should be about crazy people who smell like piss. <laughs> because clearly that's, that's a yeah, sign. That, that's a always sign that... going to be a sign in this city. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's by Five Ants is the name of the company that made it. Uh, it looks like from the trailer, which was just sort of more cinematic than, than anything else, it looks like it might be kind of um, ghost trick-like in hmm. the sense that it's like, there are you're a little a, dude hiding behind things and wiggling there's a scene and you're interacting with objects to make oh, man, stuff is happen this finally am i finally going to get the game where you get on top of something and wave your dick at stuff maybe you might yeah <sighs> i'm worried that i'm eventually just going to have to make this game myself yeah it's possible. tiny thief yeah. On iOS. Is it free? Is it a dollar? I Because it, it has not yet come out yet, I have no idea. Wow, I'm, so I'm guessing it is not free. So it could be a couple dollars. our most expensive assignment ever. It's probably a couple dollars. It could be $27. It, I'm guessing that would make it our most expensive assignment ever. $3 is probably my guess. Okay. All right. Well, that's what we're going to play, Tiny Thief by Rovio. Okay. Um, sorry about the rambling. I, I feel as though... It's not rambling. We had a at a... A deep and meaningful conversation that was not pretentious at all okay. about <laughs> narrative. I feel as though I I misjudged the amount that it was okay for me to drink during that conversation, and by the end of it, I might as well not even be here. Really? You you were completely cogent. I don't believe you. Okay. <laughs> uh, Riff was good though. Riff Riff was all right. He barely, he barely he barely spoke, but the things that he did say were quality. Oh well, thank I can you. Say that I can say that with some certainty. Um, I think we've uh, we've we've run out of time. I had a bunch of listeners' mail uh, queued, queued up, up, but we'll do that next time. Okay. I'm what I'm hoping to do is publish video games taco, and then this, and then a video games taco, and then next week we'll do another one of these. Okay. Which will uh, Fill let's have no up. news happen in between now and okay. then, and let's not play any video games between now and then, <laughs> so that those segments will be short, so that we can do a listeners' mail segment. I think I think we're doomed because we're oh fuck yeah we're going to a billion video games we're going to California Extreme although that will allow us to ignore the news because who needs news when you got a big warehouse full of pinball machines and exactly. shit ah man I'm stoked man I'm stoked and and Elder Scrolls Online beta yep. what am I gonna do not talk about that apparently because I think I signed an NDA <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna have you I I honestly had the impulse 
I should have Kevin read this NDA for me so that I will know whether I can talk about this game on the podcast or not. And then I thought, I am the biggest asshole in the world. <laughs> I literally just, I literally just had the thought that I should make my, my best friend and employee read something for me because I don't want to bother reading it to see what I just signed. I, man. <laughs> to see what you have already yeah I already agreed I already agreed to it I just but the thing is that's not unlike the way that our day to day relationship sure. works I will do something and then I will say Kevin could you explain to me what I just did because <laughs> what did I just I, buy <laughs> I am like a fucking baby I basically just wander I'm like I'm like if if I were a, a grown man sized robot that was piloted men in black style by a baby inside as far as my understanding of what the things that I do actually make happen in the world, uh-huh. right? And and you're like you're my that big tall guy that played Lurch in the <laughs> Adams Family remake. That when Vincent D'Onofrio stabs my baby head with his weird cockroach spike, yeah, you. I don't remember what happened. I don't remember what happens either in that movie. I think Lurch survives though, so you're you're cool. I'm okay. Yeah. All right. All right, guys, I've had a good time doing episode number 100 and whatever of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and uh, I hope that uh, I hope that next week we have any listeners. <laughs> <laughs> have a great week, everybody. See you later. Place egg in mouth for secret message. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, that egg was in my butt. Ah, this is a pretty good idea. You're right, man. Let's let's design a puzzle hunt. Yeah.